0: Good day. This is Brother Jim Ellis with Dispensational Ministries podcast. The message that we'll be delivering today is entitled, The Last Passage of Hope, When the Day of Evil Suddenly Strikes. This message may be a bit longer, not too much, but maybe just a bit longer than others we put on this site, but I hope that you would take the time and listen to it in its entire length. Perhaps right now in your life, the sun is shining and the roses are all blooming and the pastures are all green, but there very well may come a time when the dark clouds of life come into your life and the words of the scriptures that we'll be covering in this message will be needed in your life and be needed in a tremendous way. Most of our days are spent in the routine living of our lives. We get up and go about our days in our normal fashions, and we proceed through our day thinking about the things that we need to take care of and our normal affairs of life and habits of life. For most people, their day usually begins the same and normally ends the same. Most of us follow normal patterns of routines in our lives we go to sleep about the same time and get up about the same time head out to work or to school or begin our day around the house or the ranch or the farm or home office or whatever our 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 days are filled with and they just all kind of roll together to make our lives what they are Those who are especially thoughtful go through their day working towards their pre-thought-out plans for their future lives, working towards their goals and aspirations that they have made for their future, trying the very best they can to provide for their families and themselves, taking care of their just normal responsibilities of life. But then, for many, there comes that one terrible day when the unexpected, unimagined, and perhaps extreme tragedy takes place. A tragedy that perhaps will change our lives forever. The evil day of tragedy, heartache, and the unimaginable situations of life suddenly strike. The day evil, evil which they could never in any way predict or see coming, that day happens. Saved, born-again, blood-washed believers in Jesus Christ are not exempt from these evil days striking their lives in often sudden and unexpected forms. These things happen to the very best and even the worst in mankind. This sometimes happens to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ even after they've been careful to pray and ask God to keep that evil day from them and their loved ones. Many believers have normal and consistent daily prayer lives as we all should. And our daily, in their daily prayer lives, they pray for their needs and the needs of their loved ones. They pray for protection of their loved ones from that day of evil coming to them. They pray and ask God for provisions and prosperity and protection from the evil elements of life in this present evil world. Many pray for their loved ones by name every day, as we all should. But suddenly, all the praying they have done and all the prayers they have offered up to their God seem seem to have been in vain because that evil day came into their lives despite. The very best of their prayers. Often with a broken heart and sometimes in utter despair, they begin to question God and ask the sometimes most unanswerable question in the human language Why God? Lord, I prayed and I've been faithful to try and do as you've required of me. So, Lord, why has this terrible and horrific day come to me and my house? Why, God, sometimes tragedy happens, which to us seems to be, well, just unfair, cruel. Maybe even think it to be preventable if God had just intervened. We ask, could our God not have stopped or prevented this from happening to me? Why, God, evil comes that seems to us to be uncompassionate sometimes on the part of our God, or maybe even harsh. and Maybe we see it to be somewhat callous and insensitive and unsympathetic on the part of God. It just seems to us to be unfair for a person or any people to have to endure. Nothing can so shake a person's core being then praying for the safety of loved ones day after day, year after year, and then suddenly and unexpectedly losing one to some tragic, evil day. Or perhaps praying fervently for some particular situation to not come into our lives, but despite all of our prayers, that situation comes anyway. As Christian men and women, when evil strikes and after all the speculations of why and all of our reasonings and our questions have been asked, when everything has failed to give us answers that we seek for, many times, all we will have left is a faithful trust in the sovereign will, word, and wisdom of our God. As he stated, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. I won't read the whole passage there and in the, in the verses before and after, but there's one verse that many times is our last passage of hope when the evil day strikes. The Bible says this, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the cause according to his purpose. I've known this passage of scriptures now for about 46 years since I was first saved. As King David once lamented, I once was young, but now I'm old. And in my years of life, I've witnessed things happen in my life and the life of other Christian men and women that I have absolutely no explanation for not even close to coming to an explanation for. Tragedies of life that in many ways seem senseless and without any reasonable explanation. I've witnessed many people tear themselves up on the inside trying to understand and find reasons as to why certain tragic events of life have taken place. They're attempting to find answers, where in truth, there are no answers. Romans 8.28 that we just read is one of the best-known passages of Scripture in the Bible. But in many ways, it is not taken seriously, and it is often simply considered or maybe relegated to being just another slogan or some meaningless saying or catchphrase or axiom or maybe even a proverb that has no real significance to our lives. Some do not really believe the full content of this verse. For most, it does not seem to be a practical or even possible reality. And is often especially discounted when some tragedy comes that seems to be so horrific, so unjust from a human standpoint, that surely there could never possibly be one milli ounce of good in this tragic event of life. Sometimes that tragedy happens and it seems to us to be just unfair or cruel or preventable if God had just intervened. We asked, could our God not have stopped or prevented this from coming or happening to me and my family? Why God? Evil comes sometimes and it seems to be awfully uncompassionate on the part of God or maybe harsh or callous. In our confined bodies of flesh, we see and experience those things, and from our perspective, sometimes we're just certain that nothing, absolutely nothing good could ever come from this. So at times, passages like Romans 8, 28 seems to be a fairy tale, and the truth of it is discounted as unpractical and impossible. We maybe think, this verse just could not mean what it appears to mean, and it is not taken seriously as a verse for comfort and consolation during these tragic times in our lives. But in truth, the validity of Romans eight twenty eight rests in the integrity, character, and revealed attributes of the God who gave this verse under divine inspiration. I've learned this, that before this verse can be fully appreciated and taken seriously and appreciated for what it is, one must first know who the God is who promised this verse. The Bible says that our God is the God who cannot lie. Not that he will not lie, but he cannot lie. He cannot lie because of who he is in his being and his character and his attributes. He cannot lie and be true to who and what he is. He cannot lie and be true and faithful to his very essence and being. Thus, when God says that we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. Those words, based upon the integrity and character of God, are 100% absolutely true without reservation and without stipulation. They are pure words, and they are true every second, every minute, and every hour of every day. And I know when evil times come, this verse is sometimes very difficult to believe and accept as truth. But my friends, sometimes as believers in Jesus Christ, it is all we have to rest our faith and hope in. Often when tragic events happen in our lives and we search for answers, answers where there are no answers, and we ask the hardest question in the English language, why? And there's no seeming answer to why. All we may very well be left with is Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. Sometimes all we can do is rest in the nature, integrity, and character of God and His promises to us. We all have a natural curiosity and we want to know the answers to questions. That natural curiosity is one reason why sometimes people ask us questions that we will often consider as just none of their business. Oh, many times they don't mean any harm by it. They're just naturally curious, as all men are. When I was in the Army, information was only given out on what they call a need-to-know basis. They considered if a soldier did not have a specific need-to-know, then He just didn't need to know and he was not told anything. But even though they had that policy throughout the United States Army, it did not stop us from wanting to know. We wanted to know whether we had a need to know or not. One of the primary reasons mankind has advanced to the point that where we are today is because that we have this inherent nature of curiosity. We just want to know how things work and why things in life are the way they are. We want answers to our questions. But sometimes there are no answers, especially when it comes to the many other unexplainable, sudden, and tragic events that come into our life. If faith could be measured, and it cannot, it does not have any biological mass, but if it could be measured, it would be sometimes, or sometimes take more faith to believe Romans 8.28 Then it would be able to say to a mountain, be gone, and have that mountain disappear or moved out of its place. Psalms 12.6 6 says, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. He said in Isaiah 55.8, for my Thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down in the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my words be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereof I have sent it. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are thee called according to his purpose. I think sometimes the reason we do not fully take these words seriously and to believe them in the way they should be believed is because we do not fully know who the God is who gave these words. And in many ways, our personal relationship with Him and knowing Him is just not what it should be. One of the true ways of predicting what a person will do or how they will react in most situations is knowing who or what they are. If we can come to know what a person is, or what he or she believes, or what his or her character is, or what his or her philosophies of life are, it's not really difficult to know in advance how they will react and what they will do in most situations in life. I think in criminal investigations, that's called profiling. In politics, it's called party affiliation. If a man or woman identifies as maybe a socialist, a communist, or a conservative, it's not really difficult to predict how they will vote and how they will conduct themselves on various laws and bills that come before Congress. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, Paul said, all things work together for good. For many people, these words just do not seem even remotely possible. How could all things be true? How could all the combined events of life work together for good? How could all the billions of events that take place over our lifetime be so ordered as to produce ultimate good for us in our lives? It just does not seem practical or possible or even within the realm of any kind of reality. And in truth, they would not be possible if there is no God or He, or if He is not who is, He has revealed Himself to be and if He is not the God who has said the things about Himself that are true we sometimes cannot accept the validity of these words because we do not know enough about who God is and perhaps our personal relationship with him is not what it should be in this message I want to give some practical and immutable biblical reasons why Romans eight twenty eight is always true And why when matters come into our lives which seem tragic and unreasonable and maybe harsh and unexplainable. Reasons that we can always trust these words and we can trust the truth of them without reservation because of the character of the essence and the nature of our Lord and our God. In all things and at all times, He can be trusted because of who He is. I want to give you just a few short attributes of God. The ones I'll cover are certainly not all of his attributes, but a few that I think will help us to understand better how God could say all things work together for good. The first attribute of God I want to cover is his omnipotence. All that means that God is an all-powerful God. There's nothing that he cannot do early in the Bible a question was posed it was asked is anything too hard for God and the rest of the Bible is spent in answering that all-important all-encompassing question in God's desire and quest to reveal himself to us and in his desire for us to know him and who and what he is he has shown time and again in the scriptures that he is the one true living, all-powerful God. There is nothing, nothing beyond the ability of our God. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. That just simply means that God is all-knowing. Mankind has been on a quest for knowledge since the beginning, and His quest has brought about a great many inventions and some truly marvelous wonders and discoveries. Our God has always known everything there is to know and nothing in His entire creation has ever taken place without His knowledge. He's never had to learn. There's never been one single remote event that's took place in all His universe which has escaped His attention is some unknown native sitting in a grass hut out in the jungles of nowhere. If that native sneezed, God knew about it. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. God is everywhere present in time and space. It's not like the pagans used to believe that God is inside everything like God. He's dwelling in every rock or inside a tree or in every leaf that falls to the ground. That is not what his presence means. It just means that he is present everywhere in his creation. Time and space hold no boundaries for him. He is always present in the past, in the present, and the future. He knows and sees the beginning to the ending. He does not need to try and predict the future. He is already present in the future. His prophetic prophecies are not predictions. They are narrative accounts of the future that he is already present in. He is sovereign. The word sovereign means possessing supreme or ultimate power and being answerable to no one other than himself. The apostle Peter said to some men in Acts who were questioning something he had done. Peter asked them, what was I that I could withstand God? When it comes to mankind, the same question could be asked. Who is man that he could withstand the will of an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign God? Of course, When a man or woman or men or women get into conflict with the one true and living God, the men or women will lose every time. Mankind has a tendency to forget that we are just mere flesh and blood and mortal. Jesus asked the the Jews one time, who if any of you could take thought, simple thought, and increase your height, You cannot, I cannot, no one else can. Only God has that power. God spoke a word and all the elements of the universe obeyed and brought into being all that we know to be in existence. And even more that we cannot see and more that we don't even know exists. He is sovereign in all things. But, but, he has written into his universal law the doctrine or some doctrines that are fixed and that he will not intervene in or change. One of those doctrines is the free will of man. If men and women decide to go their way in life because of the doctrine of the free will of man that God has instituted in his creation, he will not prevent them from doing so. Oh, he could. He could intervene anytime he chose to, but because of the doctrine of the free will of man, he will not. Men are free to determine their own paths of life that is written into the universal law of God. But on the other hand, there's also another universal doctrine which is compatible with the doctrine of the free will of man and that doctrine is the doctrine of personal responsibility and the personal consequences of our action yes we are free will beings but we also have to take into consideration that for every action there are consequences to our actions some ask cannot our prayers cause god to override the free will of someone else In all honesty, I cannot think of one single instance in the 46 years I've been studying the Word of God where God actually forced a person to do something against their own will. There just are no accounts in the Scriptures where he did that because he will not do that. He cannot do that and override the the universal doctrine that he has established in his creation. Oh, God can and often will bring situations and circumstances in the being in an attempt to persuade men to change or influence them to certain matters or to guide people to make certain decisions that they make. But the decision is ultimately theirs and theirs alone to make. If a person has decided to do something, even if it's contrary to the will of God, God will not violate that person's free will to stop them from doing it. Now he very well may attempt to persuade them to not do something by bringing about certain situations of life into being, but he will not intervene in such a way as to force them by violating their free will. The next of his attributes would be that God is infinite. There's no way to measure God. There's no way to measure his abilities or his power or his presence. There are no limitations in the essence and attributes of God. He's self-existing. God needs nothing to allow him to exist or to sustain his being. And he and he alone possesses immorality. We are mortal beings, and we only exist because He exists. If God were to die, all that is in existence would cease to exist. He is the giver, author, and sustainer of all life. We, as mere flesh, need water, food, sunshine, air, different mineral supplements. In order to stay alive, if these things suddenly disappeared, And we're not available to us. We just die. But God is not such. He needs nothing. Nothing. To sustain his existence. Our God is without origin. This is almost. Well it is. Beyond our capacity. To ever be able to imagine or understand. But when we have difficulties understanding the questions of life, think about this, that God is without origin. There has never been a time when God did not exist or when he will cease to exist. He had no beginning and he will have no ending. Now we, on the other hand, are all fleshly beings who all have a beginning and our lives will have an ending. But there never was a time when there was no God. Yes, sometimes the truth of Romans 8.28 is impossible for us to comprehend. But how much more difficult is is it for us as mortal beings, such as we are, to comprehend this immutable truth about God? I give this as an example to say that there are just going to be many matters of life and existence and the universe that we are, as flesh, never while we're living in these bodies of flesh, going to be able to understand. We cannot and we will not. But you know, failure to accept that truth can cause us a great deal of mental and spiritual problems if we do not come to terms with it. Trying to answer the questions of life that are impossible to answer when there are no answers can be extremely emotionally disturbing. And unstable, Paul said in Romans, "O, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways, past finding out. The next one is that God is immutable, that is, he never changes. God has always been who He is, He'll always be who and what He is right now and who he has revealed himself to be. Since mankind departed from the knowledge of the one true living God many, many centuries ago, they've made thousands of speculations concerning God and the existence of God and who he is. Is there a God? If there is a God that he create? is he the creator? If so, who is this God? Is he a he? Is, is he a she? How did God come into being? How did... We come into being. As a result, men have imagined thousands of different ideas about gods and and God and goddesses. And the, the truth is, unless we have been given his very own divine revelation about himself, we would still be left our own imaginations concerning who God is. The Bible is God's revelation of himself. Without it, we would still be surrounded by vain imaginations concerning who he is and what he expects of us. But as a result of his revelations to us in the scriptures, we can now know about him and know things that would be impossible to know if he had not given us his Bible. The God who cannot lie is still the God Who cannot lie? The eternal God is still the eternal God. He never changes in his essence or attributes. He is always. Now, in the past, and forever. He will always be God. God is self-sufficient. That is, he has no needs. I find this truly amazing to me. There's nothing we can offer to God which he does not already have or that he even needs. We have nothing of our own that he cannot provide for himself. And when it comes to our service to him, he does not need us. But our God, who is a gracious, loving God, has graciously decided to allow us into his service and bring us into his family in jesus christ god is a wise god he is perfect and unchanging in his wisdom ephesians 1 says in whom also we have obtained an inheritance Being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God has never had to say, oops. God has never had to ask anybody's opinion about anything. There's never been a time when there was something that God did not know. God is faithful. He'll always do as he has promised to do. The Bible says the gifts and calling of God or without repentance. He is always faithful and true to His Word. He's a good and gracious, loving, kind God, and He will always do what is right. There was another question that was asked in the Bible early on. That question said this, Shall not the God of all the earth, the judge of all the earth, do right? Once again, the rest of the Bible is spent in answering that question: Shall not the Judge of all the earth do right? He's a good and gracious God. He has never done evil. Our God will always do what is right. Why? Because in the essence of our God, He is a God of love. He is the God of goodness. He is the God of graciousness. He is the God of righteousness. And because of who he is, I know without reservation that Romans eight twenty eight can be trusted. He's a just God. He's a merciful God. He is a holy God. He is the universe's standard of righteousness. And he loves his children with a pure and holy love. There's nothing a good parent would not do for their children. If needed, most would give up their own life if it meant it would spare the life of one of their children. I cannot explain the all things for good in romans eight twenty eight but I know the God who made that promise, and I know he has made it in all sincerity and honesty and integrity, and I know he can be. There'll be times in our lives when we will intensely search for the answers to why, but times when there'll just be no answers. When those times come, Romans eight twenty eight will be all that we have left to base our hope in and to find the comfort that we all will need. And knowing who our God is and having a personal relationship with Him in Jesus Christ, being able to always trust Him in every event of life and the circumstances of life is the essential key to weathering the storms of life when they come. It's not as important that we should know why as it is to know the God who has all the answers to why. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that because we know who and what the God is who made that promise. Sometimes when children have a problem, one of the most common phrases a parent will use is, well, it's it's all going to be okay, or everything's going to be all right. But in truth, there's really nothing the parent can do in their own power to ensure that everything's always going to be okay. Maybe it will, or maybe it will not be okay. We most certainly hope it will, and we pray that it will, but there is not really much we can do that will ensure that it will always be okay. But when my Heavenly Father, the God of all the universe, tells me everything is going to be okay, I can trust Him, and who and what He has said to me without reservation, when He says to me all things, Those two words are said here without reservation or stipulation. It is not most things or some things, it is all things, or as we might say, everything. For God's blood-washed children in Jesus Christ, He has promised us everything is ultimately going to be okay. God bless you, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.